Hey, thanks for joining us on Fidelity, a conversational podcast about the work of design. I'm joined, as always, by my stalwart co-host, John Rundle. Morning, John. Morning. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. You know, I've been, I've been thinking about something lately, and I wanted to get, uh, get your take on it. Um, All right. You know what I realized is I don't work with old people anymore. Like, <laughs> my, <laughs> uh, and I'm being real here. Like, my, my very first job in design the uh, design manager in this science museum I worked at was, was yeah. literally a grandmother. And, oh, wow. and she taught me a lot. She taught me a lot about like typesetting and um, how to work in, in, in design. And I, it, was, it was weird to watch this like grandma um, <laughs> just fly along in InDesign. He's just killing it, right? That's and, awesome. And she was teaching me all the keyboard shortcuts and like, you know, how to send things off to printers and, and just really mentoring me on like, you know, how to give and receive feedback. So it, it, I, I've, haven't had that experience since, since like working in tech. And, and what that yeah. made me think was like, well, how are we going to change as designers uh, as we age? And are we going to be those, like those grandpas, like, you know, <laughs> working in Figma, I don't know, whatever it is and complaining about, Oh, these new designers working in uh AR this and VR that. It's like not the good old days, right? Yeah, um, the good old days of Figma. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just drawing rectangles and auto layouts. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious what you think. Like, is that, is that where we're destined to be? I'm just, I wonder about that. Yeah, I've thought about this a lot too. Cause I'm like, the tech industry in general just feels like it's always so young. Mm. And like, I've always been one of the youngest people on the team. For up until like the last like five years, and then I just realized it switched. I was like, oh wait, when did that happen? Yeah, <laughs> I used yeah. to be one of the younger ones, but not anymore. Um, but I've always thought about like, will we be still like, will I still be doing this for another I don't know what thirty years or something? Yeah, but like the the typical like retirement age, like that seems like crazy to do another thirty years of design. But like, I guess so. I guess that's yeah. what we'll do. But it'll probably change so much too. So I don't even know. I don't even know what that'll look like. Well, I, I mean, I, I look forward to the change, but whether I'm going to be ready for it is, is another thing. Um, like I, I think of myself even now in my forties, just like, I feel pretty open-minded about like how the industry is moving and I'm, I embrace new tools. Yeah. I'm not sure if that'll always be the case. I hope so. But like, it, it it's like, it's weird, right? That we don't see any weird. like older folks, um, that we're working with in the trenches. On occasion, I come across someone, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, in their mid forties, who are like very seasoned, they're like principal designers, and maybe yeah. that's us one day, right? Um, yeah, maybe. But it, it's just, I think it's unusual. Like, I just yeah. haven't come across that many people, and, <clears throat> and the older people I do meet, they tend to be like uh, like directors or uh, or VPs or yeah, something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, I think it's because I think it's because the roadmap towards that like isn't as clear. You know what I mean? Like, because working in like tech startups is still such a new thing that like. We haven't, not many people have even gotten to that point in their career. Like maybe more like traditional print design and stuff. There's a lot more examples of that. But with, with what we're in now with product design, like, like digital product design doesn't feel like we have as many examples of what that looks like. So it's hard to, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to picture. I feel like I I won't get ever tired. I won't ever get tired of being an IC. Like I just love being hands on. I'm not sure I'd same. ever see myself as being like a director. Like, is this the same for you? Yeah, that's the same for me. I, I, I've like tried management out a bit 
here and there, but yeah. it's never mm-hmm. really been as much for me. I, I, I much prefer the IC side of things. So I still picture myself like staying in that as long as possible, but I feel like there's probably a point where I'll become like kind of irrelevant. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want to become one of those people like that. You like, I know I like ran across, I don't know, like my teachers in college or whatever that were mm-hmm. like a bit older and they were definitely like further away from the craft anymore. Like they were just mm-hmm. teaching kind of the basics, but it's like, I hope I don't get to that stage. Like I hope, like what you were saying earlier, it's like, I feel like I'm always kind of adopting new tech and adopting new tools and things. Like maybe I'm just set up well to like always be doing that for another mm-hmm. like 20, 30 years, but maybe there'll be a point where I don't realize that I kind of stopped keeping up and then became one of the like dated, like, Oh, he's out of touch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, doesn't know what's going on anymore. I don't know. Yeah. So well, hard I, to know. I think the true test of this is when like paradigms change, right? The, the, when the paradigm changes entirely and yeah. we're not designing flat things anymore, yeah. we're designing for our environment digitally. Um, that that's the true test of it. And, uh, Gosh, I, I hope I can hang on, man. Like it's it sounds exciting <laughs> to me, right? Like it, it would just it be a shame if I just like told myself, like, okay, no, I'm, <laughs> this is way way beyond me. I'm too old for this, right? Like I hope I never get there. So <laughs> yeah, same. I hope so too. Yeah. Um, like okay, so I want to wrap this topic up, but like, who's the oldest designer you've ever worked with? Oldest. If, and please say it's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh man, I don't know. I can't even think. Like it's so hard to tell people's ages too though. Like before you told me what right. your age was, like I always thought we were the same. <laughs> well, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard for there's probably someone I've worked with that I didn't realize was older than they were. But like maybe it is you. It yeah, could it could be. It could yeah, be. It could what be. about you? I mean, do you, uh, do you, can you think of someone? I mean, you had that that first uh, manager, but like, yeah, that, this, she's probably then. the oldest I've ever worked with for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but since then, like we, we used to work with uh, a phenomenal designer, uh, Jesse Benet Chamberlain. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. Shout out to him. Shout yeah. out to you, Jesse, if you're listening. Yeah, Jesse's um, awesome. And I, I, I didn't, I thought he was younger than me to be honest. And then, you know, he's probably going to kill me for this. But <laughs> he's slightly older than me. And I was like, really, I, I, felt, I felt good. Like, you know, it felt good that, um, that one day I could be like him. Yeah. Right? And it, I still had a bit of time to catch up to him. So uh, yeah, shout out to you, Jesse. Sorry yeah. for yeah, calling out your he's age. A, he's, a great, he's a great one. Yeah. That was a good call out. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, he might block me on Twitter now. So <laughs> probably, we'll, we'll, who probably. knows? Yeah. <laughs> He'll probably never listen to this. Let's be real. No. <laughs> anyway, let, let's get to the, the topic of the R today. John and I are going to talk about uh, native mobile design. And um, and there's a few quotes from Luke Rabluski that I'm probably butchering the name, um, that I want to read from his book. And I've had this book, Mobile First, for years. This has been sitting on my shelf. Mm. But it's always had just a profound impact on me. There's a couple things that he says in this book, in his introduction, he says, you know, designing for mobile forces you to focus and prioritize your products by embracing the constraints inherent in mobile design and allows you to deliver innovative experiences by building on new capabilities native to mobile devices and modes of use. Now he goes on, and there's one more thing I wanted to say here, which I think will turn us to some pretty interesting uh, conversation points. Um, there's enough benefit to mobile first design approach that it's worth thinking about even if you don't have immediate plans to ship a mobile experience, but mm. just a half day of brainstorming, 
about your mobile experience can open up new ways of thinking about your product. And I love that. Yeah, and that's love always that. impacted me, um, especially when I, you know, when we started working together, John, on mobile. Mm-hmm. I loved how you embrace this philosophy of like, hey, we might not design this thing or ship this thing rather, but thinking about this workflow in a mobile way changes the way we look at things on, on multiple platforms, possibly on the web as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if you ever read this book. Uh, I, I know it's, I it's an actually. older book for sure. I it's should. A, it's, a really, should. it's a really old book. I mean, um, I think it's well old in like two, 2012, I think it was published. Um, yeah. And it, I think it, it came at a time when like, I think it was, it was easy for people to forget that there's designing for mobile web, which is very, very mm-hmm. different. And they're designing for mobile native, which of course, um, back in those days was probably the only way to leverage things like the camera and the microphone and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, so the, what I think what Luke was able to give me was this perspective of like, you don't have to be designing for mobile, or rather, it doesn't need to be a part of your roadmap for you to consider it and for yeah. you to think about how. Um, to prioritize things so that it can work on mobile, and then that yep. act in itself, pretty crucial. Like, what what do you think about yeah. what he's saying here? Well, I think that I think it like ties into the kind of the de- design philosophy of of like reducing, right? Like a good design exercise is like simplifying yes, and reducing yes. your UI, and it's mm-hmm. very easy to forget to do that when you're designing for desktop only, right? Whereas like mobile forces you to do that. Like you really you can't avoid it. Like you have to find ways to reduce what you're trying to just to show on screen because you just have so much less space. And so it's like very easy to kind of like forget to do that on desktop, even though it's like a great practice in, in any form of UI design. Um, so I think like thinking that way almost like forces you into that uh, line of thinking um, when you start even exploring just like a rough kind of mobile concept for whatever it is that you're doing. And it like forces you to get into that, like reducing and simplifying um, mindset. And I think you can bring a lot of that back to any of the work that you're doing. hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. I think it's uh, that reduction is the hard part, isn't it? Right. It's like the, it is is not. And I think like, you know, if there are designers out there who wonder about, you know, the difference between like doing UI design and product design, well, this is one of those areas where, yeah, you, I think deciding is deciding and prioritizing it is that sort of maybe that fine dividing line where product designers do that a lot, where we're just making the case for, you know, this isn't important for this user at this time. And yep. that's why hierarchically we're, we're treating this differently, right? Yep. Um, and and that, I think that's one of the most challenging parts of the job, uh, especially on mobile. But it's also one of the parts that I enjoy the most, I think. Yeah, um, It's like that reduction part it's of it. It's satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's making the cut of the fat, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, off the steak, yeah. Uh, the, was that a faux pas? Do people cut fat off of steaks? Is that, is that, a, is that a bad well, thing no. to do? Uh, I mean, certain cuts, <laughs> it actually does make sense because you can like... I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not an expert here, but I know that there are like certain types of cuts of meat um, where you actually want to remove some of the extra fat because it can get like in the way of of cooking it well. Um, but then there's a lot of other ones that you want to keep, like all the fat. Yeah, I don't oh, I don't okay. know the specifics, but there's definitely like certain ones that you want to more than others. Love this tangent. It's great. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, well, I I had a thought though earlier about 
um, mobile web when you were talking about um, the quotes from Luke's book. But the really interesting part, if we like go way back in the day of the early, like the first iPhone and stuff, it's so interesting to think about how like when the iPhone was originally um, created, Steve Jobs' whole like thing was like, you can look at the web, the full web, right? Because like Mm -hmm. the old... um, quote unquote smartphones or like quasi smartphones, like black, the blackberries and stuff, the world, they were always like this, like text only version of the web. Right. right and then the right. iPhone came out and it was like, you can actually see a normal website. And it was all about like pinching and zooming and being able to see like the full desktop web page, but like on your phone. Mm-hmm. And then there was this shift to like responsive web that happened a few years later that like was trying to bring, more of, I think, like the native mobile experience, like back into the web, which is like so interesting to think about. Like, I, I always forget about, I always forget about that stage before responsive design, right? Where like there was actually this idea of just keeping your website the same on um, desktop and mobile because like the iPhone right. could just be like, you could just zoom into it, it was fine. But yeah. then we like slowly realized, like, actually, no, that's not that great. We can do a better job. But yeah, 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 yeah. it's just interesting to think about. It is interesting because like there was this weird, awkward phase of like M dot sites, right? Yeah. Where yeah. It, yeah, yeah. Would you call that, is, is that adaptive? Is that what you call that? Yeah. I don't know what I, yeah, what would you call that? Cause they were yeah. like, they were, they weren't really responsive. They were like specifically, they were built separately. Like it was another version of the site. Yeah. And then we I've, realized we could like combine it to, I mean, I mean, CSS and stuff all like, got better through that time, right? Like some of this stuff was impossible right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but like as like media queries and like that idea came together, then it was like, oh, we can actually package this together as one site and not have this like M dot version. Yeah. Bless that. Uh, yeah. Bless the media <laughs> queries. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Have you ever designed an M dot site and, and thought to yourself, like, why are we doing this? Like, have you ever yeah. thought that? Well, I remember making one once um, a long time ago. Uh, I'm trying to remember who it was for. It was like a local company because I was working at a web design company. And mm-hmm. it wasn't so much that we built the M. site as like the same thing. We actually, it was interesting. We actually almost like thought of that site as like a app version of their business. Oh, right? yeah. Like yeah. Right. it was more streamlined. It wasn't really like the full website. It was more like, simple contact details and like it was more focused. Um, So it actually like almost made sense to exist because Mm -hmm. it almost was like, yeah, a very simple like mobile app, but it was just like driven through the web. So I think like those kind of worked back in that time. Would it serve like with the ones you're working on, would they serve the same content? Um, Like was it parsing content from the the full website and then presenting it? it 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 was like totally separate. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. It was almost as if we were building like an, a mobile app, but it was just a website. Actually, I mean, I miss those days because it, it was because there's so many different patterns emerging. Yeah. And we were just trying to figure ourselves like this weird teenage age. Right. <laughs> and it, I mean, the web wasn't quite as weird uh, as it was back in like uh, in my uh, late, late 20s. Sorry, my early 20s. Uh, like, you know, it wasn't the GeoCity sort of age. Yeah. But there were like, I remember seeing mobile sites on the web that 
was trying to they were trying to mimic the the aesthetic of iOS at the time. Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah. There, a lot of those <laughs> M dot ones did that. I think. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. was actually kind of delightful to see. It was like interesting to see all this skeuomorphism everywhere on the web. Yeah, and it was it's kind of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was interesting because I think that's what kind of like kicked off a bit of the responsive um, space, right? It's like we were trying to kind of we realized that there was this pr- issue with just showing the full desktop page on the iPhone, even though it was possible, right? Like we realized like this isn't great. You have to like pinch in and zoom everywhere and it's like, it's kind of difficult. And we were like all using, all downloading and trying apps from the app store. So we're like, oh, let's start making our websites like feel more like an app. Mm -hmm. So we'd build this like separate like web app version of the sites. And then media queries came along and we're like, well, we can use the same code. But then it's interesting because then there was this shift to like, we almost like lost. I think a lot of people almost like lost the like the sense that it should feel a bit like a, an app, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it started to almost swing too much to like responsive being sort of just half baked a lot of times. Like it was like, yeah, these are just this is just the website sort of shrunk down. But it it kind of lost the whole idea that like uh, that's what I loved about the original intent. The original intent was it to, was to make it feel more app like and like there is that phase of responsive and it still exists today where like a lot of times it misses the mark. Like it's not doing a good enough job of being app. Like it's, it's just yeah. like this kind of um, shrunken down version of the desktop site. That's like actually harder to use now um, than it was before. So it's like, I agree. Yeah. There's, it almost feels like there's a, there's a bit of that that we lost along the way. For sure. Yeah. And I think like that, that's in, I think it's partly, and I'm not going to blame, um, uh, WordPress for this, but like, you know, most WordPress templates frame themselves as being like mobile friendly. Yeah. And what that essentially means is you're going to take a bunch of layouts and you're going to stack them. Yep. Right. And then that's yep. the only thinking you're doing about mobile. Yep. Um, but w- w- I think we, we both know like if you were being thoughtful about what the content of the site is and what the purpose of the user being there is, was well, a lot more than just stacking. Right. Yeah. But I think that's where the mobile web went uh, largely is like, let's stack the, the entire layout. Yeah. And that, that leads, that leads to like my, my favorite, um, my favorite term that I, that I hate, um, which is like mobile first, because, <laughs> oh, <right>. it, <laughs> because to me, it's like what you were just describing was everything was like very desktop first, right? Like you yes. were still, you were still designing desktop web and then WordPress or whatever template you were using helped you like, make it work on mobile, but it wasn't like you Mm -hmm. were optimizing for mobile, just like it worked. And so really you were designing desktop first, you were designing for the large screen and then it was just kind of getting stacked for mobile. And then there was a shift of like, oh, well our mobile experiences kind of suck. So we should be like mobile first, like let's design mobile first. But then I, I just, I hate that term because really it just is a, it's the same trade off the other way around. It's like desktop first, mobile first, either way, you're letting one influence the other. Yes. Um, you yes. really should be like optimizing for both separately. And there may be pieces that are like consistent and you can share ideas. It, do- it doesn't mean that they need to be a hundred percent different, but it's more the mentality. It's more that like you should go into designing each of them separately so that you are optimizing for the right thing. You are creating the right thing. 
Right. Yeah. It, it, I think it's less about one feeding the other. It's about, yeah. uh, there's a different lens for each platform. And that makes sense. Like, I, I think like they both have their own constraints. Right. Mm-hmm. And I they think do. like it, it would be a disservice to like just focus on one lens and just ignore the other, which yep. um, I, I don't, I don't think like a lot of, um, I don't think a lot of websites are, are really employing a lot of the new like browser capabilities given to them. Right. Yeah. And I think like um, th- that's where I think designing for mobile does really sort of open your eyes about like what the browser is capable of now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's less about like, you know, focusing on one. It's more like, hey, let's let's let our experience designing for either platform inform the other. Right. And yep. it allows us yep. to empathize with like what the user is here to do in this specific scenario. They're in different modes when they're on their phone versus they're sitting at yeah. their desk. Right. So exactly. anyway, yeah, um, th- there's there's a lot to dig into there. But I wanted to zoom back a little bit because I I'm curious. Uh, we talked a lot about the iPhone, and of yeah. course, a momentous occasion. Um, like, what was your reaction to the iPhone coming out? Like, were you just like, like, just get me one of those right now? Like, I, I just need to have that in my hands. Like, that, <laughs> yeah. that was certainly my reaction. Yeah. yeah, that was my reaction too. I remember. I think I was at. I think I was in college still. Like uh, a buddy of mine. Um, Andrew, we were hanging out like at lunchtime, I think watching the, the, the keynote, I just like, I can like, for some reason, just picture that moment, like being at, like at my college during lunch break, like watching the keynote. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, I definitely want to get one of those. And then it was yeah. like such a bummer that it was like us only with the first one. Yeah, right. Um, I was like, oh man. And then funny enough, I, my first, when I started working at the web agency, the local one that I started working at. The owner mm-hmm. of the company had actually gone over to the States to buy one. <laughs> and so Sweet. he had one. And I remember like everyone in the office being like, oh, like I want to try it out kind of thing. <laughs> um, and then my the first one that I bought was the 3G because that was the first one that came to Canada. Right. And I remember being, I think, like fourth in line. Like I stayed overnight, <laughs> camped, camped out. I was like third or fourth in line. There was like there was like a news crew there and everything too. And they yeah. the the mall, I think it was at a mall. So they had like brought like donuts and muffins and like coffee to oh, everyone. I was like, this nice. is great. <laughs> yeah, those are good times. Yeah. Yeah, good times, man. I, I remember the same experience too. Like I we we of course couldn't get it here in Canada. So I remember like going on the Craigslist and some nice. dude was selling his his first gen iPhone like Amazing. about three months after it came out. I was like just confused. Yeah. But he was asking an exorbitant amount of money. Oh, and yeah. being an idiot <laughs> uh, I took up my my summer savings and decided, no, screw it. I'll buy this thing. Like I, I need to have it. And I, I bought it. And um when I held it in my hands, my my mind just blew as to like you know how fast it was and like yep. how I could like connect to my Wi-Fi network. And it was just like um uh, lying in bed browsing websites, like the first time ever doing that. It was it was super weird. Yeah. Um and then uh, I did the same as you, like when the 3G came out, man, I was like well, not quite third in line, but I was like, you know, about 10th in line, stayed nice. overnight. I was there at like uh, 11 o'clock at night um, waiting until like, yep. uh, well, I think like not nine in the morning. And then finally that moment when you're walking into the store and they've, they've got the device ready for you and then you just drop your entire wallet on this thing. <laughs> but opening it, um, man, it was just like yeah, that unboxing experience uh, in, in those days was just, was truly special. Now we do it all the time, I guess. Um, but I remember being like easily impressed by 
every detail that Apple nailed on the packaging. So yeah, same. And I think yeah. the thing that always stuck out to me the first time using one was how responsive the touchscreen was. Like I always remember yes. that, right? Like we had all experienced like those early stage like touchscreen devices that were all terrible. Like I mean, even like some of the early like <laughs> GPS units and stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. And you're just like, you're like, this is so bad. But like, you didn't think it was bad because you're like, this is all I know. Like, <laughs> it's fine. That's what a touchscreen is. And then you like got right. the iPhone. You're like, oh, this is what a touchscreen can be. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, another level. Everything else. Yeah. 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 I, I, it's sorry. This is off topic, but I was using a satellite phone just like the other oh, yeah. weekend. We went on this, like, this long hike nice. um, out in the boonies and like we, we didn't have any cell reception. So I bought a satellite phone. And then the UI on that just it like it came from a different decade, but it was, this thing was just made a couple of years ago. Like it's not an old device. Wow. Um, so it, it's just like that's how touch screens used to be, right? Yep. Or rather, mobile devices used to be like using the keyboard to navigate stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah it, it was just a, a trip back in time. Um, but I do want to talk about like you know, our first experience is designing for mobile. Like I know you worked at Envoy before. Of course, Envoy as a product, if you're aware, if you're familiar with it, very reliant on, on mobile native devices to, to operate it in, in offices. Yeah. Um, like what, what was your first experience designing for mobile, mobile native specifically? I mean, it goes back further than that. Like this was like going back to the web agency, actually. Um, mm. We were working with 3M Canada, um, like oh. the, you know, 3M, the like post-it note company. Um, yeah they had this like idea way back in the day of like, it was in collaboration with their kind of filter um, side of things, like their air filters. Um, They had this idea around like building a mobile app that could detect weather patterns and stuff. And then actually recommend when you should, when you should change your furnace filter based on like um, air quality and, and like rainfall and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And they wanted to build a mobile app and so we had never done one as an agency, but we we're like, yeah, let's try it. Like myself and then like my buddy Andrew, I mentioned earlier, he was working in the same company and um, he was looking to get into iOS development. So we're like, yeah, let's take this on. Like, let's try it out. Mm-hmm. And we built it and it was, it was so much fun. Like I just remember <laughs> immediately being like, I love designing for mobile. Cause I just like, yeah. was like, I love the constraints. I love that this is like a different space to like design for. Yeah. And like immediately from there, like I think it was only a couple of months later when again Andrew and I were like, let's start our own thing. Like let's go and like start building mobile apps. Like let's just do that full time. Mm-hmm. Um and then we started having all these like wacky ideas for random apps we could build. Cause that was the that was like peak um like app store, right? Where it was like everybody was like making there was people making like crazy money off of just like the dumbest ideas for an app, right? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you remember that time? Yeah, yeah. Like, remember that era of mobile apps where it was just like Loved anything? It. Like, um, so yeah, we were, and like, all, there was all, always new APIs coming out like every year and like things were changing so quickly um, that we were just like always building like really new experimental like app ideas. And then we were working with clients and stuff too. And that's how, how actually I ended up at Envoy was through that work. Um but yeah, that's that was what kickstarted it all for me. That's wild. Like I, I, yeah, I remember the age you're talking about, where like everybody was coming out with some newfangled like flashlight app. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. The flashlight were, apps. Those I think, were the classic ones. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I, I don't know. Like, are there people who have made millions of dollars from flashlight apps? I don't know. Like, maybe. I don't know. Right? I mean, I think some people made some <laughs> decent money. I don't know about millions, but like, they made some <laughs> decent money in the early days of that. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Imagine being a grandpa, just like explaining to the grandkids, "Yeah, I made my millions making this flashlight app on the first iPhone." Yeah, oh man, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, my my first experience was designing kids apps for oh yeah for That's iPad. Right. Um, yeah. and this is this is a bit further along than way after you started working on mobile native. So I'm sort of a late late bloomer, but I remember like working on um, these reading apps for kids on iPad. And, you, you yeah. know, we, I worked for a small um, studio and we just, we just built these apps based off of uh, Richard Scarry, like a uh, oh, yeah. you know, busy town. Um, yep. So there's like Huckle the Cat and everything. So yeah. we would, um, we'd spend all night like animating these uh, characters in, in um, uh, using Swift and a combination of other plugins. So you could like, you know, wiggle, uh, huckle around the, the, the screen and he'd like, shake That's his tail, awesome. like move his head, like a, bo- a bobblehead sort of uh, effect. Um, and kids love that. They just like love shaking the character around. And of course yeah. they'd be reading the book at the same time. Um, anyway, I digress. It, it was a great first experience designing for mobile native and, you know, building the app over and over again to try to fix little bugs. Um, and mm-hmm. I think the magic moment for me was when we did some user testing and we brought some kids into the studio to like play around with some of the games and the apps we were building and seeing how easy it was them to understand uh, right. conceptually the UI that we had designed. It felt so good. That's and it awesome. also felt like, you know, when we um, introduced like features of like using the camera, for example, to like, you know, take a snapshot of something and then trace over it. That was one of the ideas that we had. And when I saw kids do that and they understood it and the look on their faces was just, just priceless. Like I loved it. And yeah. it, it felt like, it felt like they were playing with like the most advanced toy on the planet. It probably was. Right. Um, but there was something about like how they could tactily, I'm not sure if that's a word, tactily like interact <laughs> with the interface and understand mm-hmm. it. Yep. That's, that's when it shifted for me. I'm like, this is what I want to do. I yeah. want to do the most intuitive type of design that you, that you touch with your hands. Um, and now even in these days with, the introduction of really good haptic engines, it makes that even more real, right? That the idea yeah. of interacting with the interface, especially like touching it. Uh, so that that's definitely where it changed for me. It was actually quite a diff, um, an easy transition from yeah. like designing largely for web. I think most of us got our start designing for the web yeah. um, and, you know, writing CSS and like thinking about like designing in tables and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but it was an easy transition for me because I think the idea of adaptability and like um, sort of responsiveness is kind of baked into our thinking about native design. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I think like, I think for me it was like getting into it really early on is what helped that transition. I think when I think like, and what you just described too about your experience is that I think we both just like had a, we very quickly became passionate about mobile design, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you're, you're, you describing that first experience and like how excited you were to see kids using the iPad that way. And like, I just remember my first few projects too, like just being so excited about new possibilities that I think it was like almost easier then to, to transition over to native mobile design because it was like, mm-hmm. we just cared a lot about it. Yeah. Right. So it's like I remember always like downloading every app that I could just to play with <laughs> whatever they were doing, right? To yeah, see all yeah. these different ideas that people are exploring. And I think that like very quickly ingrained that that mindset towards like how to actually design for mobile. Yeah. Um, whereas like if you weren't necessarily as 
like smitten by the idea of it. Like it would take a bit, I think it takes a bit more to kind of shift the mindset and like, and think about it. If you're not like thinking about those details day in and day out, like I know I was like, it was like every time I was on my phone, I was not really using my phone much to like do social media. It was more just like downloading every app I could and just trying it out. Even if I like didn't care what the app did, you know what I mean? Like that was more of the time I spent on my phone than like, actually using Facebook or whatever, you know? For sure. Yeah. Same. I, I I think like I spent like years just like downloading every single to-do list app and like note taking yeah. app there there is. I was just interested in like how do I streamline my life? And I was like just obsessed with like every single iOS app there was on like a, a checklist sort of paradigm, right? Yep. Yeah. Um but this it's good news that you that you downloaded every single app you could. Like if 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 you're an app developer out there listening <laughs> to this and you have one download on your app, it's probably John Rundle. So probably. you have to have him to thank for that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent true. I think we've talked a lot about um, how there's some benefits to thinking about mobile without having to ship something mobile. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I always like to kind of wrap up our topics with like, you know, if you're just starting out in your career, um, and like, you know, like how this particular area or rather lens on design can help you. Um, I'd really encourage you to think about whatever project you're working on. Think about how this applies to users on different platforms. I think like not necessarily because you want to add it to your roadmap and ship this thing. Like, well, what, what does it open up for you in terms of like the thing that you're working on? Um, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think, John? Like, you think like there's some benefit to um, including native mobile design as part of the way you're thinking about a product solution? Yeah, I think so. I think it goes back to like that quote you had from Luke earlier about um, like even just, just the exercise of shifting the focus of what platform you're solving for can mm. open up like a new realm of possibilities or ideas. Um, there's this like diagram. I should try to find it, but I remember the only time I got to go to WWDC, I remember like going to a keynote there and they talked about how they think about designing for all their platforms, like from mm. the Apple TV to the Mac to the iPhone to the watch. And they had it like they had it on this chart. And the chart was really interesting. I can't remember the specifics of it, but I know it was like it was categorized in this way of like there's this level of interaction that changes across these devices. Like mm. there are there are the devices that you will spend longer periods of time doing a set of interactions. And those are like the Apple TV and the Mac. And then right. they're the ones, and then it slowly like shifts across this like chart where like, as you get to iPhone and watch, like the amount of time per interaction becomes like smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, like, especially as you get to the watch where it's like, you don't want to spend more than like 10 seconds doing something. And yeah. then on the other like axis of this chart was like, um, how personal the device is. Um, so again, like going like from one end to the other, it's like the watch is so highly personal and like no one ever sees what you're doing on your watch, but you Mm -hmm. like, and then as you get to the phone, like you might do that with somebody else, but like, again, it's largely very personal. And then as you get to the Mac, it's like, Oh, you might be, you might actually like look like use a piece of software or a site or whatever, like with somebody else, like also looking at your Mac and then to the Apple TV, where again, far end of the spectrum, you're probably like sitting down with a family yeah. all interacting with the same device. So I, I, I'm, I'm getting to a point, but like, <laughs> I think, I think the idea is that like 
there are the ways that people use these devices is so, so different. Like it's not just, it's not just the information that you're showing, right? Like if I were to put this back into like, I guess Shopify terms, like I'm thinking about our projects day in and day out, right? Like, um, you have what people are trying to do on our desktop product, but what they're looking to do on mobile is probably so different because the device is changing like how long they spend on the device, whether mm-hmm. they're interacting with somebody else while they're on their device, whether they're using their finger or they're using a, like a mouse, right? Like all of these things um, influence how they're actually interacting with your product. And so mm-hmm. by taking the, that, that step to like, do an exercise around like, what if I were to translate this product to a different platform? Like what decisions would you make differently? Like, it's not just about like, it's not just about like solving the same problem the same way. It's like, how would you solve that problem with like a totally different lens? Because that's what it is. Like someone on a mobile device has a very different lens towards the thing that they're interacting with than someone on a desktop computer or any other type of like platform. Um, So like that exercise I think is highly valuable because it just changes so much of how someone's going to interact with the thing that you're using. Right. And I think everything you're saying is uh, in terms of a thought exercise important for especially designers just coming into the field. Um, I I think like thinking this way, it totally expands your ability to solve specific problems in like a multitude of ways. And I think like that, that just allows you to bring more value to the table when you're like doing a critique or even designing the solution yourself you're going to think about it in these different lenses and through these different, um, like even just like uh, duration or uh, amount of attention that you have from the user is going to impact how you, for example, uh, design your layout, write your UI copy, position elements on the the view, right? Like all those things are are taken into account when you think beyond the platform that you're designing for. So Mm -hmm. I I love what you're talking about here. The diagram you're talking about, uh, we'll find it and uh, we'll we'll share it on, on Twitter but uh, yeah, I, I've never seen it myself. I'd love to take a look yeah. at it. For yeah, sure. I'll have to. I'll have to dig that up and share with you. It's, it was really cool. Like it was very simple, but it was like, oh yeah, like this is a great way to think about how interactions change across different platforms. Rad. We could probably nerd out on that a bit more, but <laughs> probably. man, we get we get we got to wrap this, man. I yeah. There's a couple more things I wanted to talk about. Like you know, I, I wanted to talk about whether. Um, you know, coding is an important part of like mobile design. Mm. Um, I, I think it is. Um, I love being in the code base and like being able to like uh, directly like tweak values as my developers are working uh, yep. on on more like sort of backend stuff. Um, but something we can talk about another day, I suppose. Like, I think there's a, a whole nother topic there around like, should designers code? And I don't yeah, want to start yeah, that. That's in another seven, whole topic. The seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only other like mobile thing that I think was really interesting that we didn't get a chance to touch much on was like hardware, right? Like the capabilities mm. for hardware. Um, yeah. Because that's like such an interesting mental shift too. Um, yeah. Maybe we can take that on another time, but yeah, let's one. come back to it. I mean, I, I, I'm going to be designing for mobile for possibly the rest of my career. So I yeah, think we'll, we'll be talking about it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. Um, you know, if you're into this topic, share with us on Twitter. Like, why do you love designing for native mobile? You know, like, what what avenues of your career has it opened up? And what interesting insights have you have become across? Uh, and if you've got topics that you want us to dig into, uh, share those as well. And we'll see you next time. And uh, you get back to drawing those rectangles, John. I will. I will. <laughs> Have a good day, man. You too. The Fidelity Podcast is hosted and produced by John Rundle and Bill Chung. 
Visual Brand Design by Amy Deborah. Rate, review, and subscribe to Fidelity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts.